0: Alrighty, righty. Welcome. Good morning, Tanya. Um, we're on a very special chapter now, right? Where are we up to? Twelve. Do you know that twelve is considered a pivotal chapter in Tanya? It's a turning point. Bas Mitzvah chapter. Uh, I never thought of that, but that's a, it's a, it's a nice, maybe it's a mnemonic, a way to remember it. Chapter 12, in fact, a lot of times, um, traditionally, when children or young people learn Tanya Balpeh, that's a thing of memorizing Tanya, very often there's a goal of memorizing the first 12 chapters of Tanya. Because chapter 12 is about... The benini. in fact, the first word of chapter 12 is the ha and the benini. In other words, way back in chapter 1, we introduced tzaddik, Rosha and Bainini. And in fact, more, Biprotius uh, yeser, more uh, specifically, two levels of tzaddik, two levels of Rosha and benini. Meaning five levels in total, which are categories that are spoken about in the Gemara, in Talmud. And we wondered a lot about what they were and how to define them and how they differed from each other. And then we went on a departure and we started speaking about the animal soul there in the end of chapter one. And then we spoke about the godly soul in chapter 2, and then we spoke about the koiches and nefesh, the soul's powers, the sechel nemideis, the, the intellect and the emotions, in chapter 3. Then we spoke about the soul garments, thought, speech and action, in chapter 4. Then we spoke about the soul food, the, the mozain for the neshama, the Torah study in chapter 5. Then we went back to speak Sitra or the other side, and we got into the nefesh Bahamas again in chapter 6. Then we spoke about klippa, in the world, klipas in chapter 7, shalos klipas of the irredeemable klipa in chapter 8. Then in chapter 9, we started speaking about the Katana, the small city and the whole parable there from King Solomon, from Kehelas, how do you say it? Ecclesiastes? I think I said it right. Um, and then in chapter 10, we're like, okay, now Tzadik shabeni. let's get back into that again. Chapter 10, Tzadik, we did two levels of Tzadik. Then chapter eleven, okay, Russia. Two levels of that. We did two levels of Russia. That was last week. Two levels of Russia. Now we did two levels of tzadik, two levels of Russia. Now we're ready to get to the main point of the book. Remember, the title of the book is Sefer Shel The book is called Sefer Shel So now we're on the chapter, chapter twelve, Peregud base, which starts VeHabenim, and this is our focus. We were everything we we're doing was building up to this point. So, I'll tell you something very interesting. Bashkokha Protes, what happened to me. I was in Silver Spring, Maryland for Shabbos. You know, I go away a lot for Shabbos. That's part of Bar HaShem, the wonderful arrangement I have here at Chabad of the Five Towns, is that I don't have Shabbos duties because uh, Shabbos I travel, I go to different communities. Um, so, I happened Silver Spring, Maryland, I happen to be there. And it's one of those places, it's too far. drive comfortably I mean I could but uh, you know it takes a lot out of me to drive Uh, and then uh, but it's too close to fly like takes more time door to door to fly than to to drive but I didn't want to drive I don't don't want to be I (laughs) took the train that's right yeah I took the train no I didn't walk I didn't walk no I took the train I took the Amtrak so yesterday on the Amtrak I don't even know how I stumbled upon this, but the internet is, is weird, you know? They, they have the, these all algorithms, and they, I guess they learn what you're into. I don't even know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, stalk yeah. they stalk you. And they're good at it. Yeah, and they're really good like at it. it, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know how this happened, but Tarking. Tarking. I found, I, I found a quote, Yesterday, I don't even know what I was looking for, but some search result showed me a quote from Jack Kerouac. Now, yeah, Jack Kerouac, yeah, yeah. Who's On the Road? Jack Kerouac. Were you never a pretentious twenty-year-old? You never read On the Road. Thank God. Actually, I never read it, but all my friends did. Okay, yeah, yeah. When you're twenty years old, you have to read On the Road, and then you have to want to go on the road like Jack Kerouac. Anyways, it's very hip. Yeah, yeah. Like the beatniks. You know the beatniks. Yeah. You know those crazy kids in the in the village? Yeah, with their bongos. We are the crazy kids, okay. Anyway, so there was this Jack Kerouac quote, and it's this is the quote My fault, my failure is not in the passions I have, but in my lack of control of them. And I was like, Whoa, hold on a second. My fault, my failure, is not in the passions I have, but in my lack of control of them. I was like, hold on a second. That's very deep. Meaning to say, I have a nepheshabamis, an animal soul, a selfish survival impulse that just wants comfort and pleasure, whatever it thinks is good for it, in its myopic, narrow-minded type of animalistic way, whatever it thinks is good for it. So that's not my fault that's how Hashem made me. He, he gave me this this inclination so that's not my problem that I maybe it's my problem it's not my fault but it's, that's not my fault that I have that inclination. However, I have free choice. it is my fault if I listen to it. So I, do I have an animal soul that wants to do things that are not always aligned with God's will? Of course am I a moral failure for having such impulses? Of course not. But am I accountable for controlling those impulses? Of course, yes. So I thought this is amazing. My fault, my failure, it's very lyrical. My fault, my failure, see the alliteration? My fault, my failure is not in the passions I have, but in my lack of control of them. So I started snooping around, I was like, how did Kerouac get such a good line there? And I snooped around. You want to know something? It's a misattribution. Mm. It wasn't Kerouac! Mm. You know who it was? It was Allen Ginsberg. (laughs) Now, you're going to say, Allen Ginsberg, the Beatnik, the poet laureate of the Beatniks, the beat poet, Allen Ginsberg. Yeah, I heard about him. He wrote some unsavory stuff, and he did. So kids out there, don't don't Google Allen Ginsberg poems. I, I, I'm not joking. Don't Google Allen Ginsberg poems. Not a not a joke. You know if you tell them not to, they will. OK. Well, now it's on you, OK? <laughs> your fault, your failure is not in your passion to Google Allen Ginsberg poems, but in your failure to control yourself and not to Google them. Okay, it's, it's okay. at any rate, it's not the most wholesome stuff, but that's not the point. The point is, I knew there was something weird to say that Jack Kerouac said this. It had to have been a yid. <laughs> it had to have been a yid. It was published in his journal, which is I think it's called The Book of Martyrdom and Artifice. It's a journal about his adolescent years it's called The Book of Martyrdom and Artifice by Allen Ginsberg, the beat poet. At any rate, you see <laughs> that even Allen Ginsberg, who you wouldn't necessarily call a uh, representative of uh, Jewish thought, not necessarily in, yeah, uh, but uh, he hit upon that truth. He was like, Something in him understood that truth, and he nailed it, and it's 100% correct, that my fault, my failure, is not in the passions I have, but in my lack of control of them. There's nothing wrong with me because I have passions that are unwholesome or even absolutely horrendous. That's the human condition. But I am accountable for controlling them. So now we're going to learn <clears throat> about the Bainini. We're going to learn about the, the Bainini now. The Bainini is basically the person who has the passions that the Rasha has, meaning he desires things that he ought not desire, but he has the behaviors of a tzaddik because of his control over his passions. Understood? Mm-hmm. Clearly? Okay, so let's venture into the text, okay? good base vaha bainani. And the bain the regular guy. Who is the person, Shila Elam, that never, ever, ever, ain't hurrah al kolkach never manages to conquer the small city. Remember from chapter 9? To invest itself in the body and make it sin. In other words, where is the battle line? The battle line is behavior. Will this Bedeni feel the inclinations that a Russia feels? Yes, he will. But at the level of behavior, he will not allow a breach. He will not allow that selfish impulse to express itself in actual modes of expression which we know as from chapter 4 the three levushim, three soul garments namely thought, thought, speech, and action. action. Thank you. Never. 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 Remember we spoke about last week about the Rasha. How often does he relapse? Well, remember there could be a Rasha on one end of the Rasha spectrum. Rarely. He has 99.9% control. But 99.9% it's not 100%. Does not have perfect control. The Baneh he has perfect control. The Haino this means. What does it mean he does not allow the animal soul to express itself in his body? Yeah. the three garments of the animal soul. Sheheim, which are namely you guys said it the thought speech and action which come from klipa, from the other side, things that are not for Hashem's sake do not predominate over the godly soul to the extent where they're able to actually get expression through the body on an emotional level, yes, sure the conflict is there, very much so but it won't get expressed through the modes of expression now he enumerates not in the brain and not in the mouth and not in the other 248 limbs. In other words, the brain means thought, and the mouth means speech, and the other 248 limbs means action. <laughs> it will not manage to make them sin or to defile them. Rak, rather, only, only.,, only the three garments of the godly soul are expressed in his body. which are the thought, speech, and action of the 613 godly commandments. And in fact, he has never breached, he has never transgressed, and will never transgress. Okay, classic questions that come up here. Sounds like a if he, he sounds like a tzaddik? Why? He sees things that are and he's attracted to them. That doesn't sound like a tzaddik to me. Do, answer my question. He sees things that are absolutely prohibited and they look good to him. Is that a tzaddik? No. Is he a good person? Well then let's not use those Hebrew words for a while until we adjust our understanding of what they are. But isn't he on a higher mind than a subject because he co the We can talk about that. Let, let, let's just talk about who he is right now. Let's not compare him to anyone. <clears throat> okay. Classic questions. What does it mean he never sinned? If you're telling me he never sinned, then I'm out of the running already. <laughs> so then why am I reading Sefer Shobain in him? Because now it's too late. So... One explanation is that it means Bainini is not something that you're born as, it's something you attain. It's a state, right? So he's born with the potential to be a Bainini, as are all of us. We're born with the potential to be a Bainini. So Bainini's aren't sprinkled. So Bainini's are not sprinkled. No, Tadikim are sprinkled. I love that we use the word sprinkle in this class and everyone knows what it is. It's your word. So he did tshuva and he became a bainani, right. And now he got a fresh start, he became a bainani, and as a bainani, he never sinned. Now, what does it mean he will never sin? He doesn't have free choice? He does. Of course he has free choice. So how can we we say he will never sin? He chooses. As a bainini, he'll never sin. Also, what it means is, his, the bainini isn't just somebody who's having a streak. Oh, had another good day. Had another good day. Oh, just happened not to sin today. He's committed to it. <clears throat> the bainini means he is choosing to be so committed that the mind state that he's in, it makes it Impossible. For him to be over, so, he's mindful. so it's it's a level of commitment. It's not just like, well, I never had any real compelling reason to be mechallel shabbos, but I guess if there were, you know, maybe I would. No, 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 it's off the table. I say Michal shabbos because I think for most people who keep shabbos, that's a relatable example of something that it's non-negotiable. I, the truth is, I could pick a lot of different things, and it's it, it different for different people. For some people, you know, one, one sin is non-negotiable, and other people, other sins are non-negotiable. And by the way, that sin which is non-negotiable in your mind, which is obviously a totally subjective construct, and it's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of silly that we say that's non-negotiable and other things are. But at any rate, my point is that whatever sin that for you is non-negotiable, that's where you're obeying it. In in a, in a in a microcosmic sense, like not a real bainini. But I'm saying, if you want to know what a bainini is, think of that sin which for you is non-negotiable, where you could pretty much bet a million bucks it'll you'll never be over, you'll never transgress it. That's like being a bainini. But just then extrapolate that and imagine you were like that about everything in shochan But what if you don't have a to like? Okay, so we'll talk about that later. So we'll talk about later, what about a bainini who's only a bainini because of a lack of desire? Okay, that's a good question. Chapter 15. Okay. you saying that the average person is a based on that definition? The average person can be and is therefore required to strive to be a bainini, according to that definition. It is a tall order, but it's not an impossible order. An impossible order would be you know what an impossible order would be? A Tadic. Atavik. Don't desire it. Mm-hmm. Don't even look at it. Don't. Don't want it. I can't do that. I do want it. So it doesn't sound impossible. It's not impossible. No. Not impossible. Yeah. If a being only is attracted to activity by the five isn't that desire a thought, even in the Okay. Excellent question, which we'll get into a little bit later. But the question was, isn't his impulse itself already a thought, and now he's already expressing, okay, we'll get into it later, but there's certainly a distinction between the impulse for thought and actual thought. There's a big, a willful thought. So, there was once a yid who went to the Magid, the Mizritcher Magid, who was the Talmud and the Mali Mekuimei of the, the Balshamtav, the disciple and successor of the Balshemtov. So this Yid went to the Magid and he said, I have problems with Makshavazaris. That means stray thoughts, foreign thoughts, impure thoughts. And I don't know what to do about it. So the Magid told him to go to Jitamir. You guys probably heard of Jitamir recently. You didn't Ukraine. hear of Jitamir? It's in Ukraine. Yeah. So he told him, go to Jitamir and go to my Talmud Rebzev, Rebzev of Jitomir. So this Yid went to Zhitomir. He didn't know anyone. He didn't even know Rebzev. He was just given a referral. It's like when your, uh, what we call it GP says, go to this uh, ENT, I'm giving you a referral. I don't know him. That's okay, I refer you, have a referral. So he went, he had a referral to go to Rebzev. So uh, he shows him Jitomir. It happened to be when he showed up, it was Friday afternoon, it was Erev Shabbos. And he didn't have addresses in those days. He just asked around, where does Abzev live? And somebody pointed out a certain house. And it's Friday afternoon, and he has his stuff with him, and he's got to put it away before, before Shabbos. And he's knocking on the door, and he definitely hears people inside. You know, the hustle and bustle in the Jewish house out of Shabbos is unmistakable. He's knocking on the door, boom, 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 and nobody's answering. And he knocks more and nobody's answering. And now at this point he sees the sun is going down and he's getting kind of nervous and he's knocking louder and more persistently. Nobody's answering. Finally, it's so close to Shabbos, he says, I can't stand here on the doorstep any longer. And he runs to Shul. He puts his bags down in Shul. And basically, you know, there's an area in the back of Shul where the homeless people, where the poor, the indigent sleep. And that's what he did. He slept and he ate in Shul like a homeless person. For, he was effectively homeless for that Shabbos. Uh, at any rate, after Shabbos, somebody comes over to him and introduces himself. His name is Zev. He's a Talmud of the Magid. Oh, come to my house. Let's make Avdollah. We'll have Malafamaku We'll have the post Shabbos meal together. And they sit down and they're enjoying each other's company and speaking about Torah ideas. And finally, the guy can't hold back, and he says, you know, you're being very kind to me right now, but do you understand that I was, 24 hours ago, a little bit over 24 hours ago, I was standing on your front doorstep, <clears throat> and I was persistently knocking. It was Erev Shabbos. I was pounding on the door, and I heard you inside. I know you were ignoring me. I know there were people there, and, and it was really cruel. You see what happened to me. I had to sleep in shul and eat in shul like an indigent person. And that's not right. You understand your Rebbe, the Mizrach sent me to you? that you should teach me how to control my stray thoughts? And Rebzev Zev says, the Maggid sent you to me to control your stray thoughts? He says, yes, that's what I told you. The Maggid sent me to you. to You should teach me how to control my stray thoughts. Reb Zev says, yes. Okay. And that is precisely the first lesson I taught you upon your arrival in Zitamer. That just because there's a knock at the door doesn't mean I open it. So think about it like this. The benini will get the knock at the door. The taiva. Call it the taiva. The attraction. Ooh, that looks good. The the, desire. The desire. Or what Ginsburg called the passion. He'll have the passion. Ooh, that looks good. Then he'll say, hold on a second. I'm not opening this door. I'm not allowing the impulse to cross the line into active willful fantasizing or scheming even worse yeah the knocks coming at the door and i can't control that i cannot stop who knocks at my door <clears throat> now it's tzaddik it's beautiful to be at tzaddik they don't even have the knock, they don't have, they, the don't knock. they don't have the knock. what they don't hear the knock <laughs> they don't hear it or they don't have it or whatever it is it's not part of their experience the banini? He's got this nudnik pounding away, sometimes constantly. Like <laughs> yeah. Woody Woodpecker. Buh, 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 the knock could be. The knock for a mitzvah is bad? No, yeah. oh, not a mitzvah. The taiva. The taiva. But he's knocking for Shabbat. shop? I'm confused. That was an example. was The, the Reb Zev was teaching him a lesson. He was teaching him a lesson that if you're the homeowner, if you're the balabas, you choose who to open the door for. He wanted this Jew to extrapolate that to his spiritual life and to understand that just like you have a house and you cannot control who knocks at the door, but you can choose not to open the door, he wanted him to understand that you may not be able to control the fact that you will have thoughts pop up, but you can choose not to embrace them that the more inconvenient and the more ill kind a mitzvah is the more scar there is to it. I don't know. We don't talk about scar here. <laughs> We're not in the scar. I don't know. Which class is scar? Which class is scar? <laughs> uh. Down the road. But we don't know the scar Okay. I, that's what's okay. At any rate, ladies. Okay. ladies. How Okay. You don't you it. It's a muscle. It's just a muscle. Okay. The point is that you asked an excellent question, we're going to get into it. If he has the impulse for it, he's already thought about it. No, no, no. That's... You know, one time I was driving in Crown Heights. <laughs> You're laughing already. <laughs> it's a hilarious story already. i <laughs> driving in Crown Heights. This is going to be good. And... Uh, I drove by a guy's driveway and there was a sign in front of his driveway that said don't even think of parking here. Mm -hmm. So you know what happened the second I read that sign? (laughs) I didn't even need to park! I didn't even want to park! But it said don't even think of parking. (laughs) Boom! And I was thinking, what a silly sign because you can't control that. That's like don't think of a pink elephant on roller skates. You all lose! (laughs) What he should have said, what he could have said That I actually have free choice over is I thought about this. Don't even think about parking here. So you don't even think of parking here. Boom, I already did it. I thought of parking here. Don't think about parking. What is thinking about? Thinking about is if I would slow down and I would idle the car and look at the driveway and be like, ooh, that's the perfect space for my car to park. And I would like fantasize and envision myself backing into the spot yeah that'd be amazing like wow yeah and just looking at the spot that my car would go so perfectly right there not gonna do it that's that man's driveway i'm not gonna do it but i just want to take a minute there's no one behind me okay good i just want to look at that beautiful spot and imagine myself parking in it and then a minute later be like thanks a lot sucker fantasized about parking in front of your driveway. I didn't do it. You know, I'm not, like, I'm not that much of a low life. And then I drive off. That would be called thinking about. And obviously, that was a choice. That was an activity. That was something that you willfully did. And according to Torah, that is a behavior. Thought is a behavior, albeit a behavior that you engage in, in your own head, but it's a behavior. So... The Bainini may think of sinful things. And in fact, the nak may be so persistent that he thinks of sinning all day long. But he'll never do it. He'll never speak sinfully. And he'll never think about it. Meaning he won't fantasize and he won't scheme. It may come to him. He will not elaborate on it. He will not elaborate on it. Correct. Okay. So let's continue here. So he will not sin ever. And he is not called a Russia for even a second all of his days, meaning all of his days as a Benini. Because if you are a Benini 99.9% of the time and then 0.1% of the time you're a Russia, that's called a really good Russia, Which is nice and some of my best friends are I'll show you. <laughs> Ach, however, and here's here's the wild part. Okay, so we just described this guy who has 100% behavioral control. Whoa, this guy is on a whole other level. But now he says something to you. He says, but hold on a second. What's the other side of the story regarding this Benini? Ach, however. The essence of his godly soul, meaning its ten faculties that we learned about in chapter. Prior. <laughs> <laughs> the ten soul faculties of the godly soul. The seichel and midis, the intellect oh, and the emotions. Heart, well, then look at the chart. Look at the Tanya map. Oh, my mm-hmm. Come on, ladies. Small letters. Small letters. <laughs> chapter 3. Okay, so the essence of the godly soul, meaning its ten faculties. They do not have exclusive dominion in the small city. Meaning to say, on a soul power level, remember the soul powers, the seichel and the midas, the intellect and the emotions? A tzaddik has one internal experience, meaning it's all just the experience of the Seichel and Midas, the intellect and the emotions of the godly soul. The Benini is conflicted. He's not like that. He has a duality on that level, on the level of Seichel and the level of Midas, meaning to say, on the level of Seichel, Seichel means perception and how you see things, how you subjectively assess a situation. So he's got two sets of intellect. One is godly, the other is selfish, animalistic. Also emotionally, You know, he has a godly set of emotions and an animalistic set of emotions. So he loves the things that are good to love, but at the very same time, he's conflicted. He loves the things that are not good to love. So he says, on a behavioral level, 100% dominion over the small city. On an internal level of intellect and emotion, quite conflicted. Quite conflicted. Now, is everyone following this? Yeah? Is this clear? Internally he's conflicted. Internally he's conflicted. In- and internally means on the level of the soul powers, which are the seichel and midis, the intellect and the emotions. He's got two sets of those. He's got two sets of those. And they're clashing. So he's conflicted in his perception of reality. Sometimes he sees it from a Torah perspective. Sometimes he sees it from a selfish perspective. He's conflicted on an emotional l- uh, level. Sometimes he loves... Good things, sometimes he loves the wrong things. In fact, not sometimes this, sometimes that. Maybe at one moment he has a mixture. He has mixed emotions. We call it mixed emotions. But he doesn't give in to them. But he doesn't give in to them. What? What's the work he does? So, what's the work? Oh, now I got you hooked. So what's the work he does to make sure that he's assured? Le'aylam le'yaver he'll never succumb. And now I got you hooked, because now it's the that's the rest of the book. You just asked the question that the entire book now is answering. The question now is, what is the work? That he does to ensure he will never succumb on a behavioral level, even when he never manages to completely rid himself of the internal conflict. And the answer is that's what this book is all about. And it took us 12 chapters to get to that. But that is the point of the book. Awesome. Yeah. So that's why chapter 12 is so important. Yeah, pivotal, yeah. Oh, it's finally yeah, exactly. worth it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Now, here's an interesting point. He's, he just said that a that a bainini basically his whole experience, the bainini's experience is one that is rife with conflict, with internal conflict. But there's an exception to that, which the Alter Rebbe notes right now. Ki'im, so he says he does not have exclusive, his godly soul does not have exclusive dominion internally on an intellectual or emotional level. Ki'im except, and here's the exception, when he has a tzaddik-like reprieve even on an internal level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once in a while, once in a while he gets left alone and he can relax and enjoy some nice Tzadik-like moments. Okay. Yeah, he's going he's to explain. Ki'im <laughs> Except for very particular times. Itim <laughs> particular times. Kamei, for instance, b'shas <laughs> krishma utfila At the time when he says Shema or when he davins. Shehishas <laughs> de which is a time of mature intellect in the spiritual realms. When you are saying Shema, proclaiming God's oneness, when you're davening, and you're connecting to Hashem, so there's something that happens at that time where you enter an elevated state of consciousness. Vegam lamata, and also down here, he shas adam. It's a propitious time for everyone. Sha'oz mikasher chabad sheloi Lashem, where you're connecting your chachma your intellectual faculties, to Hashem lahamik Bigdulas ain't of Baruch, to delve deeply with your das, with your with your mind into the greatness of God. Ula irida so avakrishbi eshbahala, and to arouse the love the glowing coal-fire-like love in your right ventricle of your heart. To cleave to Hashem. That love is the motivation to desire, to cleave to Hashem. To lovingly cleave to Hashem by lovingly doing His mitzvahs and learning His Torah. in In fact, that is what the whole Krishma, the mitzvah Krishma, saying Shema, is all about, it's about reaching that level of V'yohavta, and loving Hashem. Also, so Krishma, the, the mitzvah of Shema, is a biblical commandment. And then, rabbinically, there are mitzvahs, there are brachas, we say, before and after Shma, which are meant to mentally prepare us and lead us up to that, that state of love. And if you daven properly, you'll actually be able to enter that zone and Is this Kriya Shema or No, it's talking about Shema in in, in, in Davening. Okay. When it's part of the whole the whole process, the whole journey. So he's always struggling, you're saying? Except when he's davening? Except when he's davening, That's Right. Very intense, it's very intense. It's very intense. Oh yeah. heck yeah it's intense. Oh so he's not like a regular person. No he is a regular person. That's a regular person. What do you want? You shouldn't struggle? No, but not constantly. <laughs> People struggle, but it's not like. Uh, well, it depends what your standards are. <laughs> How often you struggle depends on what your standards well, are. Oh, that's true. You don't relate to this stuff. You're a tzaddik. Why are you here? Okay, she's just observing. We have a tzaddik in the class observing the rest of the Okay. Okay. So he says, uh, the, the Shema itself, which is a biblical commandment, and the blessings before and after Shema in the davening, which are rabbinical commandments. <laughs> the blessings that we say in davening, before Shema, those are a, a a preparation for Shema, so that you can actually get yourself to a place where you can, when you say when you have and you should love the Lord, that you're actually loving the Lord. Vaaz... And then, meaning when he does the adequate preparation, the contemplation and the, the, the focus, you know, deep prayer. When he does that, so then he gets in the zone, so then, What happens is that the, the negativity in the left ventricle becomes subjugated, to the goodness which is spreading out from the right ventricle from the holy intellect in his brain which are connecting to the greatness of God. In other words, at that moment he's so hooked into God consciousness that he has a momentary or temporary experience of being relieved from the condition of internal struggle. However, after he finishes davening, when that condition of mature spiritual intellect departs, the negativity pops right back up in the left ventricle. And he again lusts after the desires of this world. So now he's back to Desiring things that are no good for him, no, not that but, good. but will he? Will hold on a second, but will he? But will he succumb to them? No, no because he says, Rock, however, even when the tivus, when the lusts come back, since those animalistic desires do not have exclusive dominion over the city, they will not manage to express themselves. In behavior to go from potential to actuality, to express themselves in his limbs, in his physical limbs, in action, dibur in speech, mamish or in thought. Literally, what's thought? Literally, mamish. What's machshava mamish? There's a machshava and machshava mamish. There's thought. There's really thought. That was your question. That's where it's hinted to in Tanya. Mm-hmm. That's your question. With the word mamish. Mahshava mamish, okay, mamish <laughs> means there's two things. There's maqshova and mahshava mamish. Okay. Like, did you think of did you think of it like that's mahshava? Like come on, that's not my problem. It just popped up. Mm-hmm. Did you think about it? Did you dwell on it? Did you invite it? Did you open the door like Rebzev said? That's Mahshova Mamish. And now you're accountable, and if you do that kind of stuff. Clearly you're not a it yet. That's almost like a behavior. Almost like a behavior? That's what we're saying. Yes. That thought is a behavior. Thought is a behavior. Hmm. So the being doesn't have the look. I don't understand why after you dive in you don't have the thought anymore. It's not it's not there. And you said it's not in the city. It's, it's that thought is no longer there. So well, you have it's to made. you have to be clear what you mean when you say because we just said two different definitions for thought. We said thought and thought.
1: <laughs> so No, well this
0: Where paragraph I mean you just spoke Well about. here let me let me say it in simple English. We said the condition of the Bain the is to be constantly conflicted on an internal level. Okay. Right. However, there is a reprieve when he davens well and he gets into the zone. So he doesn't have the internal conflict. It's as if he were a tzaddik for that period. However, after he's finished davening, the impulses will return. However, you see we keep going back and forth, those impulses will never manage to express themselves behaviorally. Because he davening those other times. No. No, because he's in control. Oh. Did anyone ever have really to left ventricle removed? Yeah, you don't want to get your left ventricle removed. <laughs> yeah. That that 'cause caused some uh <laughs> cause some physiological <laughs> issues there. <laughs> yeah. I don't expect to say that because he in then his battles went like the Is there something that happened because he was not bob in David with Kavana? You mean I didn't weaken it's a conflict? Yeah, that's what we just said. You didn't follow that. You didn't follow that? No, I missed it. Okay. He's crazy darling. He wants We started off when we said Yeah, he did. That's what he's saying. Okay, okay. Didn't. <laughs> you gotta, well, so him to Didn't. For the moment, he's a tragic. You got to You daven so it should benefit you. You diving could to you connect to Hashem. Give him a break. Abandon <laughs> me. <laughs> this guy. Okay. Now, ladies, let's continue here because we're about to come to probably, arguably, the most important few words in Tanya. Yeah, like if you take notes, this should be your only notes from today. Not No. Okay. Ready. Okay. All right. Wait, do we do did we finish the sentence we said machshava mamish? We got to finish that sentence. And what does it mean machshava mamish? He says lahamik machshavte Elam haze Ech lamalis Taivas libay. He will never actually cross the line where he starts thinking about, not of, but about his desires and scheming how to fulfill them. He won't cross that line. Okay. Why not? Now here's the real important phrase. Key, because. Here's why he will not cross that line behaviorally, not in action, not in speech, not even in thought. Why not? Key, because. Hamayach, the brain. Shalit rules. Al Halev over the heart. Mayich shalit al We should all say it together. Mayich shalit al The brain rules over the heart. The brain rules over the heart. Says in brackets, But I'm a Hamna Like it says in I'm That's a section of Zayhar. So where does this come from? Which book? Zohar, very good. And the Altar Rebbe continues, <speaking in Hebrew> By birth, and by the nature of how he was made, <speaking in Hebrew> This is how a person was formed at birth. <speaking in Hebrew> that everyone, <speaking in Hebrew> is able, with the will in his brain, to resist, and rule over the spirit of desire in his heart, not to give in and fulfill the desires of his heart, not in action, not in speech, and not in thought. And in fact, to completely avert his mind from these desires, and especially El Tzad Kedusha to think about the opposite, to go and think about good things, holy things instead. What did the Al Rebbe just say? He said, here's your first tool. We're finally in the instructional parts of Tanya. We had all this gross anatomy learning about the makeup of the soul, and we had spiritual topography, the lay of the land and the universe, the klippa the Kedusha, And we were learning terms like now we finally have a tool. It's finally instructional. Instruction number one. Tool number one of Tanya. But he tells you something very important about that tool. He lets you know something. Where do you go and buy that tool? Say it again. Everyone hears? Do you go out and buy it? Do you have to develop it? You just have to use it. You're born with it. He says that that's what makes you human. He says it about four different ways, right? That it's by birth, that this is the way you were made, that this is the, the formation of a person. In other words, is not something that you have to go out and attain. It's just something that you have to make use of. I... Uh, I experienced once, I always tell this story whenever I teach Tanya. At some point, I always share this story where Hashem taught me directly what Maya Shaltal Lev means. And what the Al Terebin means that it's innate and it's natural and it's human. Everyone has it. You just got to use it. So, one time uh, I was a newlywed. I don't know how newly, probably the first two, or three years we were married. And w- my wife ran into the grocery store for a minute, and I was sitting in the car. She had been driving, and I was sitting in the passenger seat because I was saying Tehillim. I was trying to finish Tehillim before Shkia and very Frum, you know. And no, 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 no the days Tehillim. Well, no, I wasn't saying the whole say for Telem. Okay. Lechitas, yeah, the days to Telem. So I was finishing the days to Telem, and she ran into the store for two minutes, and she, she had been driving so that I could say Telem, because I try not to say Telem while I drive. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I'm sitting in the passenger seat and saying Telem, and as I'm sitting in the passenger seat, I spy with my little eye, out of the corner of my eye, I see this lady coming out of the store and she's walking very briskly and she's making like a beeline right toward me and she looks very agitated and she's like holding a kid, like an eight-year-old kid by the hand. She's walking, you know, that angry mom walk with her eight-year-old kid. And I know, I know something happened, you know. Anyways, and she's walking right and then all of a sudden she's like six inches away from my face. I'm like behind my little She's right there. I'm like, what does she want from me? I'm getting, I'm getting scared. Like this mom's gonna yell at me. So you don't want to get yelled at by a mom, doesn't. So, and then uh, what, what I, what I see is, oh no, she's parked next to me, and I'm on the passenger side of my car. She's parked to the right of my car. So she's going into the driver's side of her car, which is like a foot away from, from my car. And uh, what she does is she opens the back door. She puts her kid in the back seat buckles him into the seat she gets into the driver's seat she closes the door and the second she closes the door she turns around and she starts yelling at the kid she says i told you we're not going to do that and i warned you before we went into the store and by the way sometimes they tell this story and people get horrified they're like oh my goodness that's abusive did you call did you call the post trust me it was okay anyways um yeah and she's yelling at the kid. She buckled him in. And she's a good mom. Yeah, she's a good mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, she's yelling at the kid, but all of a sudden, she sees me, Watching. and I'm with my little Chita's book. I'm peeking. Never. What? And she, see, she like we make eye contact. it? she's like, <laughs> and she stops and she just turns around, all calm and everything, not yelling at my kid, right? Okay, so, okay. So here's my question. Here's my question. At what point in that story, you have to use your critical thinking skills. At what point in that story that I just told you, did the mother become upset with the child? Presumably, eight years earlier. Huh? When did she become upset? When was she feeling agitated? When was she feeling upset? Presumably in the store. I mean, when she came out, she was already. She's riled up. Yeah, she's riled up. Okay. All right. At what point did she express that with actual behavior? In the car. In the car, in the closed car. And at what point did she stop expressing it when she saw me? So here's here's something remarkable to think about. She had a very strong feeling. She was agitated. But as long as she was in the store... Now obviously this differs according to your different social norms and mores. Different cultures have different opinions about publicly disciplining your children. But for this woman, it would be inappropriate to publicly discipline her child. So she was feeling agitated in the store, but she didn't express it. And she was holding it in. She was controlling herself. She controlled herself. Not only did she control herself all the time she was in the store, and she controlled herself until she got to the car. But even more remarkably, much more remarkably, even once she had let it fly, once she wanted to stop it, because she saw I was there, she was able to stop it on a dime. bam, like that. So even more remarkable than the fact she was able to hold it in the whole time in the store, was that even in the middle of it, flying out, she could cut it off like that in an instant. You, don't know what, you happened. Can never okay. judge what happened So here's in the story. my question. But you knew she was upset you the so she was showing so I could read on her correct, I could read certain body language and by the way a Bainini might also have that kind of you know, micro-expressions and body language that would show that the taivas, the lusts, are getting to him. Okay? But on a level of conscious behavior, thought, speech, and action, he's totally in control. So here, here's what I'm saying. She was, at least in, the, in regard to this specific behavior, like a benini. If we could extrapolate, if we could pretend that she had that degree of control about everything and that her, uh, all of her standards were according to Torah. Okay, this is a very hypothetical situation, but I'm just pointing something out. That she was able to control her behaviors, and then not only was she able to control them for an extended period of time, but much more impressively, even in the middle of everything coming out, she could stop it and cut it off like that in an instant, at will. So here's what I want to ask you: What spiritual practice did this woman engage in to be at such a level of behavioral control? I think she was embarrassed. I was just going to say that did she didn't want to be You think she was just embarrassed? Right. So you don't but think you don't think control. that she like meditated to get to that level of behavioral control? No. She's no. She's she's like, oh, no was so then what? So then so so how did? So then so so how did she have the what? How did she have the ability to have, to exercise such a... Exactly what? Mayach shalt alif. Mayach But where did she get it from? How did she develop that degree of impulse control? What? I don't think, I think it's the ego. She wanted to stop because her ego. The ego's the motivation. My question is how she had the ability. We have it in us. You just have to... Yeah. How could she cut it off at will? Sure she did. And I'm asking a question. What? did she do to attain that level of self-control? Nothing, Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. She was born. uh, Uh, Because a human being is born with impulse control. My point is only this. When the Rebbe makes a he goes to great lengths to say that this mayach shaltah lev is the way you're born and it's human nature and it's native, it's innate, it's factory settings. The point is this. Every human has impulse control. Now, what you choose to apply your impulse control to depends on your standards and on your mores and on your beliefs. So, please don't perseverate on this example and extrapolate in the wrong way. My, my only intention here is to illustrate the fact that human beings have this remarkable ability to control ourselves at will when we are sufficiently motivated. If we And it doesn't matter if it was her ego, it was embarrassment. You guys are saying, oh, but she was only embarrassed. It doesn't matter what her motivation was. So my point, point is learned. when she was motivated, she was able to do it. Huh? This is a learned behavior? Is it learned? No, it's innate. Not no. It's, no, it's not learned. It's, it's innate. It's not Skinner, it's Chomsky. <laughs> you said this is the first tool. How many tools are there? I, I didn't count, but it's the first one. Oh, it's, it's, it, are, we, are we talking about like uh, you, you, I, you just get your I want to know what the If I'm gonna go to your house for like. Shabbos and Please. I say to you, this is the first course. Enough, very this is the first course. <laughs> How many courses are there? That's rude. Right? Imagine you serve the first course. I say Oh, this is the first course? How many courses are you serving? Oh hold on a second. Hold on a second. Rabbi, I actually preempted. I tell people there are four courses so that they shouldn't just <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a, a real balabasta. That's what it is. Connie has, s- four has it down. That's what I should have done. I should've said how many tools there are I- and then the truth is I'm covering up my embarrassment embarrassment that I never counted. I don't know how many <laughs> tools are. Okay, but then, but listen. Here's the point. This is how I want to end today. Shalat Where do you get it? You got it! Where do you get it? You got it! You have shalat Every human being has shalat The Altareb is saying, use it! You want to know how this Bainani, who has all the desires that you have, he has all the lusts and the, 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 and the distractions that you have, but he has impeccable behavior He's a rush on the inside and a Tzadik on the outside. How does he manage to do it? One tool. which all of us have as human beings. Yeah? Practically speaking. Practically speaking. How do we use this with our kids if we're blessed with kids? Well, you want to control their behaviors? No, I want them that. to learn to control their behaviors. Yeah, with it too. So they have to learn Tanya too? Yeah. No joke. No joke. 100 pre- Yes. We should bring it into Yes. School. Okay, we will stop there for today and we'll continue with Shim next week. Okay. Thank you. okay.